you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. glad to have brother and sister Hayes, Hayes with us today, missionary to Chile. Would you put your hands together and give them a great big Frankfurt welcome as they come to minister. Let's give that to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. He is worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cuanto dice gloria a Dios. ¿Cuántos ha venido con la expectativa de que el Señor va a hacer algo grande en este lugar? Aleluya. ¿Cuánto me entiende cuando hablo así? ¿Dónde está mi pueblo? Aleluya. Rest you better keep up. Come on now. It's good. You can, you can shout. I said, how many have come with the expectation that God is going to do something in this place? Aleluya. Yo no sé qué necesidad tiene. Aleluya, pero no hay por qué que salga de esta puerta sin haber recibido lo que el Señor tiene para usted. Aleluya. I said, I don't know what need you have this morning, but there's no reason for you to walk out of these doors without having received what the Lord has for you today. Aleluya. I, I guess I'll go in English. Good gracious. Y'all can be seated. I, I hate English. I do. <laughs> It is so hard to get back into the swing of it. When, you know, I, uh, uh, my goodness, in fact, uh, just uh, uh, one of our services, one of our first services back, I was, I was preaching, and I was actually running across the front, and, and I was just going, and, and my wife was sitting on the front row, and she just looks at me and kind of puts her hands down. She goes, you're speaking Spanish, and it wasn't a Spanish church. I had no idea. I had just... Slipped right back into what was comfortable, and so was just going. So, so if I do that this morning, just just forgive me, and just act like you know what I'm saying, and just shout anyway. And you know, <laughs> I am so happy to be here with y'all today. Thank you so much, brother and sister Jordan, for allowing us to be here. It is such an honor for us. I uh, love my beautiful family that they're we're all traveling together, minus our oldest son who is in Texas in college right now doing a summer semester. Well. Because he's crazy, uh, but uh, <laughs> he told me, he said, Dad, he said, I've got a long college career ahead of me. I just need to knock out a few more hours over the summer. So I'm like, all right, you know, that's that's on you, Bubba, you know. So, But uh, in fact, I'd like my wife and, and children to please stand just so you can see them because I just, I just love them so much. Uh, yeah, they know what I'm in race, say, don't you? Yeah, Joshua turns to Elizabeth and goes, here he goes. <laughs> That's Joshua. He's 18 and he's single. That's Elizabeth. She's 14 and she's not. 
Just, just, just throwing that out there. Y'all got a lot of young men here this morning, so I just want to put that out there right now. Oh, praise God anyway. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I am just happy what the Lord is doing. I love what I feel in this place. It is just such a powerful presence of the Holy Ghost here this morning. We are missionaries, as Brother Jordan said, to the nation of Chile. Chile, as we say it there, uh, you know, if you want to say it like that, it's Chile. Uh, yeah, here it's Chile, uh, but, uh, but whatever. Uh, but uh, God has done tremendous things. Prior to, to serving in that nation, uh, we served in the nation of Colombia. Uh, La Isla de San Andres, Colombia, the island of San Andres, uh, an island about 500 miles off the coast of Colombia in the Western Caribbean, kind of like Hawaii in the U.S., a state of but nowhere near. Uh, and so we pioneered the very first UPC church on that island. In our first year there, we baptized over 250, saw 250 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We labored there from 2003 until the end of 2009 uh, once the church was completely self-supported and we I had leaders that were they're ready and able to, to, to take the reins and we turned it over to the nationals and, and then they've just been going with it. They've got a tremendous, gorgeous new building there and just keeping on going. Just uh, I'm excited about that and God directed our path uh, to Chile. Uh, when we arrived there in 2010, uh, there were only about 20 churches and about 900 filled with the Holy Ghost baptized that we could account for. But now I, I'm, I'm excited about seeing, I was talking with uh, Brother Barclay, our other missionary there in the nation who we work side by side with. And, and this year's report is we now have over 70 churches uh, and 4,000, uh, hallelujah, baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Revival's not coming. Revival is already here. Hallelujah. We've been waiting too long. We say, God, send revival. He sent it 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. All that he needs, all that he's waiting on is for us uh, to get our will in line with his will. Hallelujah. He said, ask of me of things to come concerning my sons and the work of my hands. And command ye me. Uh, in other words, he said, you ask what I want to do and then tell me to do that. Hallelujah. We, 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 we get it wrong when we say, God, here's what I want to do and I want you to bless this. This is what I'm doing. Uh, no, God said, uh, that's not how it works. Uh, the way that it works uh, is when you find out what I want to do, uh, then you tell me to do what I'm already planning on doing. And when your will is in line, then you will know that you will be right in the downpour uh, of my blessings. Uh, when you get your will in line with my will, then you are guaranteed to see uh, what you have an expectation to see. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's what we are seeing right now in the nation of Chile. It has just been a tremendous fact when we go back. We were just there in February taking care of uh, our, some of our visa residency things and getting all of that squared away. And, uh, and so it's uh, when we were there, God really began to lay on our heart about where he wants us to establish a new church. So we are um, getting ready to... Take, I'm a church planter. It's, it's what I do. It's what we've always done. Um, and God really began to lay it on us uh, to plant in an area there that has never had an apostolic church. Uh, an area of Santiago. Santiago is, the, of course, the largest city in Chile, the capital. Seven million people. The area that we will be focusing on is an area of about 1.2 million people. And uh, we will be establishing a church in that area. 
it's, and it's, it's an exciting thing. In fact, I was talking with some of our ministers there here recently, some the guys that, uh, that, uh, that we mentor that, that look at me as their pastor, and they're pastoring churches now, and, and they're excited. Last Saturday, we had a, our little our mentoring uh, conference call, and we were talking about it and what God was going to do there, and one of them said, he said, Pastor, he said, we've already got contacts. He said, we're already teaching Bible studies in that area. We're going there, uh, tilling the ground, uh, getting it ready for y'all to come back. Now, when are you coming back? <laughs> so so we are, we're excited about being able to get back there and to do that. If you would like to be a part of that, of course, we are, are raising our, our partners in missions. Uh, that is our, our, our support that we live on while we're there. Uh, but uh, for the church plant itself, I uh, wonder what this big white board is. This is a puzzle because there are many missing pieces to the puzzle when you plant a church. There are things that just, they have to go in the right place. Uh, so this is an opportunity. Uh, if you would like to be a part of the new church plant in Santiago, Chile, uh, then uh, each one of these squares, uh, we ask just $100 for it, and then you sign your name and a message there to the people. And what we do uh, is we put these underneath uh, our platform there so our people there know uh, that the prayers of the North American church are going up uh, uh, to, the, to the throne of of God, and they know that it, we, they are backed uh, by the prayers of the saints. So, if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, then we have it set up in our little our little table out in the foyer after church. Uh, you get a piece; it's got the little flag of Chile on it, and you write a message, or sign your name, whatever you want to do. Uh, then that way, they know that they are that there is uh, such such a larger backing than what they can see right there. Praise God. Hallelujah. We do have a little table set up out there in, in the vestibule uh, after church. You can learn more about what God is doing there in Chile. You can see uh, we have a little uh, video presentation and, and all of that stuff out there. Uh, we have Colombian coffee for sale if anybody is a coffee drinker. It's better than Starbucks. It's cheaper than Starbucks. Uh, and it goes to mission. So there's that. We also have Chilean hot chocolate, which is like Mexican hot chocolate, but Chilean, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's got it's it's basically uh, it's what they drink in the northern part of the country there. It's got, it's basically hot chocolate with a little bit of a kick to it. Uh, uh, and so if you'd like that, that's out there. Uh, um, and just a few other little things. I, I Joshua, did you bring your pens? Oh, you have. Oh, he's got one. Okay, Joshua makes handmade pens, uh, hand carved, and and so uh, now that doesn't go to missions. Well, it goes to the missionary kid. Go, he calls it the Joshua Fund, and he said so. That goes to Joshua Fund. He's saving up for his college. He, Joshua's a senior in high school, graduates this year, uh, and so that goes to him. So y'all can, if he's got one, he can auction it off. I don't, I don't know. Y'all, y'all can take care of that with him. Praise the Lord. Going to the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. John chapter 4, reading a very common passage of Scripture, John 4, verses 23 and 24. Would you stand with me? I know it is just a a custom, but I, I like it. Hallelujah. John 4, 23 and 24. The Bible says... But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh, say seeketh, seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him 
in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He's active. He's not passive about this. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I just want to speak to you on the subject, the passionate pursuit of God. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. You see, because one thing that God is seeking after is worship. As I said, he is not passive about this. Uh, So if one thing could happen in this place this morning uh, is I want God to feel so exalted by his people. I want him to be praised and lifted higher than he has ever been lifted before. Uh, If something could somehow begin to expand within our hearts uh, to the point to where it erupts uh, and we begin to give him worship uh, and we begin to praise his holy name, uh, I've come to declare to you today uh, that somebody's going to walk out of this place victorious. Uh, Somebody's going to walk out of this place. uh, Instead of your head hanging down, it's going to be lifted high. Uh, Instead of feeling sorrow, you're going to feel joy. Uh, Instead of feeling sickness, you're going to walk out of here with healing in your body. uh, And it's going to come on the backs of your worship. Worship is something that is absolutely necessary and critical for the child of God. Uh, It is so important because it is one of two things uh, that God is actively seeking after. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save uh, that which was lost. Uh, God, again, uh, is not passive about that. Uh, He is not a passive uh, bystander when it comes to the lost. Uh, God is very active uh, in that regard. Uh, Each one of us here this morning uh, was in in that category at one time or another in our lives and God began to pursue us with a passion when we were still lost and dying in our sins the Bible says that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he died for you when you didn't even know who he was when you were still lost and he began to pursue you with a passion but if you want him to pursue you with that same passion that he pursued you with when you were lost then you've got to be the second thing that he is seeking after. And that is somebody that will worship him. Somebody that will give him their all. Somebody that will come into this place and say, God, for this little while, I've got to show you on the outside how I feel about you on the inside. It's not enough to be his son and worship him in spirit alone because spirit without the truth is wild and unruly like a rudderless ship being tossed to and fro upon the ocean of life. Yet it's not enough to be his others and worship him in truth alone because truth without the spirit is cold and it cuts to the core. But if somehow this morning in this place we can meld the two together and begin to worship him in spirit and in truth that we come into this place and we say God we know who you are we have the revelation of who you are and we also know what you have done for me we know what is working on the inside then you become what he is seeking after and that is somebody that will worship him I know I know we tend to intermingle the words praise and worship and we know what we mean and that's all fine and well. But technically speaking, there is a great difference between the two. You see, praise is what we do, but worship is who we are. 
Worship is that outward expression of the heart's condition. Worship is more than just lip service. Worship is more than just function and more than just form. But worship is a lifestyle. Worship is something. Well, let me put it to you like this. You see, you can praise somebody and never even be a million miles from their presence. But when you worship them, when you are in an adoration of them, there's something about it. You've got to be in their presence. And even if you weren't before, just by the very nature of you beginning to worship, God will hasten his presence unto you and he will be right where you are worshiping him. You see, worship in the Old Testament, it gives a better word picture than what we are necessarily accustomed to. The worship in the Old Testament was to prostrate oneself down upon the ground and to kiss the earth towards the one that they were adoring. You see, it is a complete and total abandonment of oneself. It is saying, I don't care what the people around me are doing. I don't care what the person next to me is thinking. I'm in the presence of the only one that is worthy of the glory. I'm in the presence of the Holy One. And if I've got it do something to get his attention then I'm going to do whatever I've got to do because he is worthy you see that's why God, when God told Abraham to take Isaac, his only son, up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice, God was not after Isaac's body, but he was after Abraham's heart. What he was saying was, Abraham, I want to know, are you willing to give me the very best? He said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, your only son, up to Mount Moriah. Now, all you Bible school grads, can confirm this with me this morning. Isaac was not Abraham's only son. Ishmael was already on the scene. Ishmael was born before Isaac. But God said, I'm not interested in Ishmael. I don't count Ishmael as part of the heritage. What he was saying was, Abraham, I'm not interested in what your flesh can accomplish on its own. I'm not interested in what you are able to do without my help. You see, but Abraham, what I want to know is, are you willing to give back to me that which I alone am capable of blessing you with? Are you willing to give back to me everything that I have ever given you? And Abraham understood something that we as the apostolic church need to understand in that it is not about us, but it is about him. Abraham knew this may cost me my hopes. This may cost me my future. This may cost me my dreams. But if that is what the one who has been so good to me has given to me, he said, then I'm going to gladly lay down my Isaac upon the altar. And that's why they said, Abraham, where are you going? He didn't say we're going up the mountain to sacrifice. No, he said we're going up the mountain to worship. He said, I don't view it as a sacrifice. I don't care what it's going to cost. He is worthy. All I know is I wouldn't have it had he not provided it. So if that's what he wants, I will gladly lay it down. And then I love how Abraham responded. He said, and the lad and I shall return. 
shall return. Oh, that's great faith, Abraham. Oh, if you only knew the half of it. You see, Abraham had no history of the resurrection of the dead. He had never seen God do that before. But he was saying, all I know is I know the way maker. All I know is that he promised that he would make me a father of many nations through Isaac. And God is not a man that he should lie. And so I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when or where he's going to do it. But all I know is that he promised it so I'm going to lay it down and I'm just going to trust him you see his heart was involved in it he wasn't being just obedient his heart was actively involved in it you see God does not tune in to our services and to our lives just because we go through the motions he doesn't Tune in to this service today because we're clapping our hands. He didn't show up because we're singing the right song. He didn't show up because we have the best talent, and we do. He didn't show up because we sang the, right, the, the, the perfect song, and the songs we sang were magnificent. But what adds value to that expression is where something began within our hearts. That when we walked into this place this morning, something began to erupt within our hearts. Where we said, Lord, I've got to show you on the outside how I feel about you on the inside. His presence is attracted by heartfelt worship. That's how he begins to pursue. And see, if your heart is not in it, then all we are doing is going through the motions. That's why Jesus himself said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, yet their heart is far from me. Notice he wasn't complaining about what they were doing. He wasn't complaining that they were honoring him with their mouth and their lips. No, he said they're doing the right things. They're going through the right motions. They're carrying out the right responsibility. But he said, but what adds value to that expression is when their heart is actively involved. And that is what is missing in this equation. But oh, if somehow in this place this morning we could get our heart involved in our worship, where it is more than just function, where it is more than than just form and we say God yeah it's raining outside yeah I've got a busy week ahead of me I got a lot of things going on but right now in this place Lord I've got to show you what my heart feels about you today then God will begin to pursue you Hallelujah. there's something about it you see when the heart is involved it takes on a whole new realm the Lord told Moses in Exodus 25, 2, he said, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. He tells Moses, he says, all right, Moses, I want my people to bring a sacrifice to me, a sacrificial offering. But it's not enough that they do it because I'm asking them to do it. He said, I want their heart to be involved in this. 
And he goes on to list all of the things of high value that the children of Israel were to bring before the Lord. The gold, the silver, the badger skins, all of these things that were that the children of Israel esteemed in high regard. And God said, yes, it's got to cost you something. But he said, but you have got to be willing to do it with your heart. You see, God did not care about those things for their own benefit. You think God wanted more silver? You think God needed gold? You think God needed the animal skins? Oh no, those things meant absolutely nothing to God. Had he wanted those things for their own benefit, he could have told Moses, take a group of men out into the wilderness and there they can mine these things and use these these items. But no, he said what adds value to it is because you, my people, hold those things in high regard. And because they're important to you, then that makes it important to me. So he said, Moses, I've got to know, do my people love me more than the blessings that I have blessed them with? Are they willing to give back to me that which I alone am capable of blessing them with? And he said, but then when you take that sacrifice that has cost you something and you do it willingly with your heart, he said, what was the result? He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. The word to the church this morning is that when we come into this place here and we give God our very best, and I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about everything that encompasses who we are. And when we come into this place this this morning and we begin to give it all to God and said yes Lord this is going to cost me yes God I, I don't know if I'm able to go through but Lord there's something within my heart that I've got to give you my very best here and he says then that creates an abiding place for my Shekinah glory hallelujah you see when we worship you see that's what David said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You see, for some of us, it takes some of us too long to get into the act of worship. David said, enter. Enter the, the moment your foot crosses the threshold. There needs to be a praise on your lips. There needs to be some thanksgiving upon your lips. You see, how did David prove it? The Bible says that, you know the story when David saw the ark coming off in the distance and heading back towards Israel. The Bible says that it took David only six steps before he had cast off his priestly garments, had on the linen ephod, the garment of worship, and he began to dance his David dance before the Lord. It took him six steps once he saw the glory of God. Can I tell you again, it takes some of us too long. We got to wait for the choir to sing the right song. We got to wait for the preacher to preach the right word. But David said, enter into his gates. The moment your foot crosses that threshold, there needs to be some praise on your lips. There needs to be a Shout from your lips. He said, why? He said, I'll give you three reasons because I know one ain't going to be good enough. He said, number one, for the Lord is good. And as we say in Chile, y punto. Period. End of discussion. He doesn't justify it. 
He doesn't explain it. He doesn't say when things are going well in your life, God is good. When you're healthy in your body, God is good. When you've got money in the bank, God is good. Oh, wait, honey. He said, for the Lord is good. Hallelujah. He's good when you're healthy. He's good when you're sick. He's good when you got money in the bank. He's good when you ain't got two nickels to rub together. Why? Because his goodness is never predicated upon our circumstances. He is good all the time. Let me ask you, has God been good to anybody in this place this morning? Has God ever provided for you? Has he ever made a way where there wasn't a way? If God has ever been good to you, that's reason to be upon your feet right now, worshiping him. That's reason to give him glory. If he ever made the way where there wasn't a way. David said, I got a second one because I know some of you ain't even going to buy the first one. He said, his mercy is everlasting. Mm. His mercy is everlasting. Has God been merciful to anybody here? Has grace and mercy ever reached down further than you were able to reach up? Did he hunt you down when you were lost and dying in your sins? Let me put it to you like this. If you're here this morning, you're a testimony to the mercy of Almighty God because there's a bunch of other places that you could be, but he loved you and pursued you and showed forth his mercy to you, and that is reason to worship him. David said, okay, fine, some of y'all just ain't going to get it until I give you the third one. He said, and his truth endures to all generations. That's my favorite one. His truth endures to all generations. The iniquities of the fathers may be visited upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. But his truth, his truth endures to all generations. Are you happy to be able to walk in the truth this morning? You want to know why I'm a worshiper? It's because I wasn't always the fine, upstanding Christian you see before you today. You see, I was a backslidden, almost reprobate when I was a young man. I walked away as far from God as I could possibly get. But I had a mama and I had a daddy that loved this thing. Oh, and I remember coming in at all hours of the night. And on Sunday morning, I remember on one side of the bed there would be mom. And on the other side there would be dad. And mom would begin to shake that bed. And she said, come on, boy, it's time to get up. It's time to go to the house of the Lord. And I remember saying, Mom, I don't want to go. I don't feel like going today. And I remember my mom looking at me with those big brown eyes of hers. And she says, come on, Shane, look right here. Do you see anything right here that gives you any kind of indication that I care what you want to do or that you don't want to do? Honey, you are living in our house. You are eating our food. You you are living under our blessings. So when I can't control what you do on the outside, But when you're right here, honey, you're going to be in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you, maybe you didn't have a mom or daddy, a grandma or grandpa, somebody, somewhere, but you got little ones coming up after you, and you want them to walk into this truth. Hallelujah. You don't want them to walk out into false doctrine. Then you better become a worshiper. Hallelujah. You better become a worshiper. You see, that's why I'm a worshiper. is because I've got three little ones coming up after me. I don't want them to walk out into false doctrine. I want God to be merciful to them. I want God to let them walk in this truth. That's why I'm a worshiper. 
In fact, I even told them, I said, don't you put on my tombstone that I was a preacher. You put on my tombstone that I was a worshiper. You put that my daddy knew how to worship. I told them early on, they're never going to see anybody out worship me. In fact, this ain't even in my notes. But I got to tell somebody here this morning. Bible said David danced before the Lord, but that ark came back. If you notice in that passage of Scripture, David was not alone. He had a wife that was there, Michael. What did Michael do when David danced, when David did something so beautiful in the presence of God? Michael despised Now, the Bible very rarely speaks of the lineage of the woman. But it always, it most often speaks of the lineage of the man. But in this chapter, I believe there are four mentions that when it mentions Michael, it doesn't mention just Michael. It says, Michael, the daughter of Saul. Michael, the daughter of Saul. Michael, the daughter of Saul. Michael, Saul's daughter. Can I tell you, there are no accidents in the Holy Ghost. I believe that the reason that the writer under the unction of the Holy Ghost put that there is to let us know the reason that Michael was able to despise was because who her daddy was. And because her daddy never desired the ark, his baby girl grew up to despise the ark. Because Saul was not a dancer, his daughter Michael was a mocker. Can I tell you, mama, daddy, you got little ones watching you today. You got grandbabies looking after you. Hallelujah. Don't you understand that those dinner conversations matter? Hallelujah. Can I tell you, they don't need to only see you worship God here. They need to see you worship God in your home. When you're combing your daughter's hair, they need to see some tongue talking. Mama, daddy, why are you so happy? Because the Lord is good, baby. Because God has been good to us. That's why I am a worshiper. Hallelujah. That is why I give him all because he is infatuated with my worship. There's just something about it. Oh. God is so good, though, at being God. He's a gentleman. God will never force you to worship him. He won't do it. If you're waiting for him to take control and make you dance and make you shout, you're going to be waiting a long time. Oh, it happened one day. Every knee shall bow. But right now, he's given you that opportunity to do it under your own volition. But what he will do is he will entice you to worship him. I think about it like this. I love you. She takes my breath away. I I even lose my train of thought if I look directly at her. It's scary. As Brother Jordan mentioned, I won her to the Lord. I I was walking down Almeda Mall, the corridor. They're at the mall in Houston. Wouldn't step foot in that mall today. Dear Lord. 
get shot. But back then, that was the place, though. And I was walking down the corridor of that mall, and she was walking the opposite direction towards me. She held out her arms like to not let me pass. And my heart missed. I didn't, I'd never known what a heart attack was, but that was probably the closest that I've ever felt to it. <laughs> and so I'm smooth. I mean, I'm, I'm a Texan. I, I know how to talk. <laughs> We're good at talking. It's, it's, it's a gift. And so I was like, I, I, I've got, I'm gonna, I, I got to talk to her. Evangelistic dating. <laughs> And so I walk up with her with just the best line. And what comes out of my mouth, <laughs> you want to go to church? <laughs> she said, yeah, go ahead and laugh. It, it worked out. Look, I mean, we saw two weeks ago, 24 years married. Oh, uh, yeah, so you can laugh. It worked. And so she came to church, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. God did a work on her life. And so we began dating. And I knew, see, I, I knew that she had to fall in love with me. I just, it, it, if, if, if nothing else I ever accomplished in life, this was one thing that I was going to accomplish, was that that young 21-year-old was going to fall in love with me. And so I made sure that I only showed her my good side. I made sure she never had to open a door. Still doesn't to this day. If it's not me, it's one of my kids that makes sure that mama's door is open. Yes, I know she's able to do it, but you know what? She doesn't have to because I'm there or one of the children are there. And so I've taught my kids those things. I also, this one's free for all you young men. When we were walking down the street, I was on the outside. She walked on the inside. Now, I've seen young, they don't do that that much anymore. You need to do it. They notice. That way, if you're going to get, somebody's going to get splashed, somebody's going to get hit, it's going to be you. Odds of that happening probably ain't too high, but they notice those things because there's something about enticing them to see. You see, and that's how God is with our worship. He's not going to force you, but he will entice you to worship him. And that's what he does in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Moses had just come down off off the mountain, and he had seen the children of Israel dancing around a golden calf, giving this false idol the glory for something that it had no, no way of ever doing. And they were giving this calf the glory of delivering them out of Egypt. You know the story. Moses gets mad, throws down the tablets. He, he, he takes the, that calf, grinds it up, puts it in water, makes the children of Israel drink it. He's furious. He's mad. God's mad too, but God can control his anger. Moses, I, I'm pretty sure God was like, I better do something to this boy and get his mind back on me before he does something stupid here. Shane's interpretation. And so... The Lord tells him, go back up the mountain again. This time you got to carve out the tablets, Moses. But I'm going to take you back up there because I want you to see something about me. And the Bible says in Exodus 34, 6. If you can throw that, I don't know if it's possible, but if you could throw that up there. Exodus 34, 6. God places Moses in this little crevice. And the Bible says, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. This is not Moses talking about God. This is God talking about God. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful 
and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Sounds like God's bragging a little bit about himself. Like my dad used to say, though, it ain't bragging if it's true. I could look at you today and I could tell you, you know what? This tie is green with yellow polka dots. And you look at me like, bro, you're out of your mind. No. But see, if God were to look at that tie and say, it's green with yellow polka dots, then next time you looked at my tie, guess what? Green with yellow polka dots. Why? Because his word establishes it as fact. Even if it wasn't true before, just the very nature of God stating it makes it so. So the Bible says that the Lord began to proclaim about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children upon the children's children under the third and of the fourth generation finally Moses had had enough Moses couldn't take any more of revelation and Moses did the only thing that his human finite mind and body could do remember how they worshipped Moses made haste he ran he bowed his head towards the earth he literally slid into home plate like that his face full of dirt and he worshipped he worshipped he said you know what even if it wasn't true before just by the very nature of God saying it makes it so so the only thing that he was capable of doing was worshiping let me bring it a little closer to home how many parents are here this morning were your kids born grateful if you say yes run down here right now and repent now God blessed us with three incredible kids my baby girl, she is the apple of my eye. Not only would I help her hide the body, I would kill the person. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I know that's not the Sunday morning thing to say. I love her. And, but the thing about it is, she wasn't born with a grateful bone in her body. She didn't, on the day she was born, she didn't say, hey, thanks, Mom and Dad, two thumbs up, way to go. In fact, I'm pretty sure her first words were mine, mine. She had two older brothers. She would see them playing with something, you know, mine. Didn't even want it, but because you're playing with it, mine. That's what she would do. But you see, I refuse to raise a generation of self-entitled young people. My kids, I, my wife and I determined very early on, our kids were never going to grow up believing that the church or anybody owed them anything, that everything that we ever have is the blessings of Almighty God. And so the, the, my kids are not going to be selfish. My children are not going to be grateful, but it is a process that the parent has to teach the child because it is not in the human nature to be grateful. So when my wife and I would give Elizabeth a present, whatever, a Barbie doll or whatever, we would give it to her and we'd go, here you go, honey. Thank you. I'm not telling her thank you for the present that I bought her. 
What I am doing, though, is I'm saying, uh, here you go. You wouldn't have this had I not provided it for you. There's not a daddy that's going to love you the way this daddy will love you. There's not a daddy that will provide for you the way that this father will provide for you. There's not a father that will take care of you the way that I will take care of you. So if you understand what kind of a good dad, I already know that I am, but now you understand that I want you to echo back to me that which you have heard me say. And so finally, it clicked within her mind when she was a toddler and she'd look back and she would say thank you daddy and you know what something would happen brother Jordan within my heart something would begin to swell up and I'd be like alright baby come on we're going to Toys R Us I'm going to buy you the rest of the Barbie dolls whatever you want Why? because that gratitude that grateful heart that is shown forth makes something per- me and me pursue her that's what God was doing right there he was telling Moses Moses there's not another God that I love you like this God, I love you. Moses, there's not another God that'll provide for you. Don't worry about what the, what they're doing down there in the valley right now. You see that calf? It can't do for you what I can do for you, Moses. So if you understand what kind of a good God I already know that I have, then I want you to echo back to me. And so Moses yes, Lord, you are grateful. You are long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. bring it a little closer at home for you why do you think God heals you he already knows he's a healer but he wants you to worship him as your healer he wants you to worship him as your deliverer he wants you to worship him as everything that he is to you and so much more but how many times do we stand back with our arms crossed like an ungrateful child and we keep saying give me give me give me I refuse to be self-entitled in the presence of God. (laughs) And there's something about your worship. When you worship Him, He can't contain Himself. (laughs) He opens up the storehouses of heaven when you show forth that gratitude for everything. When you come into his presence and you say, God, it's not enough that I praise you. It's not enough that I talk about you. I've got to talk to you. I've got to tell you, it's not enough that I tell everybody else how good you are to me. I've got to tell you and I've got to show you all what you mean to me. And you see, when your worship becomes just that, more than function, more than form, and it becomes your lifestyle. Then it becomes an offensive weapon that you are able to use in your daily arsenal. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 21, David, again, he's on the run. He's on the run from Saul. As a matter of fact, his father-in-law, the man that was never a worshiper. The Bible says that David came to Ahimelech's house. Ahimelech was the high priest. And as David arrived there, he, he asks the priest, he says, Do you have here under thine hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, for the king's business required haste. Now, David is not being dishonest here, I don't think. David, is on, D- David knew how to fight. He knew how to get the victory over the lion, the bear, the Philistine. 
But never in a million years did David ever think that his own father-in-law, anointed king, would turn against him. David comes to Ahimelech's house. He's on the run. He's tired. He's hungry. And he says, Ahimelech, is there not something here that I can use? Don't you have a weapon? I, I know how to get the victory over certain things, but, but Ahimelech, I, this right here, I don't even know what it is I'm facing. I don't know what I'm fighting. I don't know what I can use to get the victory on this. And you see, we as the Pentecostal church, we know how to fight. We're good at fighting certain things. We know how to get the victory over certain battles. But it seems like just lately that there have been battles that we have been facing. That they come, they just come out of nowhere. And we wonder, what was that? I, I, I knew what it was I was fighting last month. But this right, where did this come? I don't even know what I'm to do in this. In fact, can anybody relate? Has anybody had those battles? That where you, you're not even out of one and you're already thrust into another one. And it seems like you're being hit from all sides. And you don't even know what it is that you can use, how to get the victory over it. This is what David was facing right now. And he says, do you have something, anything that I can use? Oh, David, yes, I do, son. You remember that day in the valley of Elah where the Lord delivered into your hand Goliath the Philistine. Oh, yeah, I remember that day. Oh, what a glorious day that was. You remember David. You had the weapon necessary to knock him down. But son, you didn't have what it took to kill him. See, we, in Sunday school, we, we, we learn, sing songs about how David slew Goliath with the sling and the stone. That's not the whole story. You see, David knocked him down with the rock. Whether or not he was dead, I don't know. What I do know is there was enough doubt in David's mind that David went over and he said, you know what? If he's not dead, he's going to get up angrier. He's going to get up stronger. He's going to get up and have a whole new desire to kill me. So I, I don't have the, what it takes to kill this thing. So what I'm going to, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to take the sword that he was using against me, and I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to use it on him. Can I tell somebody here in this morning, hallelujah, under the sound of my voice, you've been fighting things, and you're wondering why you're not getting the victory. It's because you just keep knocking it down and it keeps getting up angrier and angrier. And I've come to tell you though here this morning that if you will declare your worship to Almighty God in this place today, you're going to walk out of here victorious. You're going to come to this altar this morning and you're going to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to face next week. But this right here is dying today. I ain't dealing with this anymore. God is going to deliver into your hand that which the enemy was using to attack you and it's going to be a testimony to the strength and power of almighty God would you stand to your feet oh David you remember that day yeah I remember that day David you remember that sword yes David said I remember that sword there's not another one like it in all of Israel give that one unto me Amalek said but David there's one little caveat one small problem it's behind the linen ephod. Remember, the ephod was the garment of worship that they wore in praise and adoration to 
Ahimelech was the high priest. And all of his priests there, they should have had on the ephod. But for some reason, Ahimelech or the others had taken off the ephod, that garment of worship. And the Bible says that when they did, it covered up the representation of David's victory. And Ahimelech said, yeah, David, there's a weapon in the house. But it's underneath the garment of worship. And for me to give you that victory, for me to give you that symbolic weapon, I'm going to have to put on the garment of worship. We're going to have to pick up the worship right where we left it. Oh, can I tell you, there's a victory here in the house for you this morning. Where is it at, Brother Hayes? It's underneath your worship. Hallelujah. God has got the answer. It's already here. You don't need to look for it anywhere else. It's here. Healing here. Salvation here. Deliverance here. If you have need, whatever that need is, you're going to find it underneath your garment of worship. Hallelujah. But understand, there is a price to be paid to be a worshiper. What do I mean? The Bible says that when Saul arrived at Ahimelech's, he understood that they had helped David, and he turned to his soldiers, and he said, Slay the priests of the Lord, for their hand is with David. And every one of Saul's soldiers looked back at him and said, No way, no how. We will not touch the anointed of God, except for one man, Doeg the Edomite. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, rejected of God for their carnality. Can I tell you, nothing will kill worship like carnality will. Nothing will destroy revival like carnality will. Nothing will hinder a move of God like abject carnality will. I've told our churches, I would rather have a, a coven of witches surround us and then do everything that they know how to do than to have carnality come in to the house of the Lord. Why? Because I can cast out the devil. That ain't no problem. But you can't cast out flesh. And that is what pure carnality is. Is It is a move of the flesh. Spirituality is a move of the Holy Ghost. Carnality is the move of the flesh. And carnality says I have no problem doing the things that are a hindrance to the move of God. I have no respect for the holy things. And doing the Bible says that day put to the sword 84 priests of the Lord. But the very next phrase says it all. All that wore the linen ephod. Every one of them had placed their ephod back on and it cost them everything. But I've come to declare to you this morning yes there may be a price Yes, there will be a price. But oh, if you will make your way down to this altar right now with your hands lifted to heaven, hallelujah, in your declaration that I am a worshiper, hallelujah. There's victory in the house this morning. There's healing in the house this morning. There's salvation. There's deliverance. Whatever you have, uncover it under your worship. Pick up your worship right now. Begin to praise Him. Begin to lift Him up.